Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears that hold so many of us back. Now, sometimes we don't know we're looking for something until we find it. And even then, we still need to act upon it. Tosha Kowalski found a sticker on the ground at the South by Southwest Festival in 2013 that read, Quit your day job, see the world, fall in love, find yourself. Now, this sticker was apparently everywhere at the festival, and there would have been other people that saw it too, but it somehow resonated with Tosha. And since that day, she's been designing her life and acting in a way that aligns with the message of the sticker. And she writes about her adventures and lessons learned at theotherforkintheroad.com. In this episode, we discuss taking that leap of faith and how the first step is always the hardest, how Tosha found herself on the Appalachian Trail, how the three and a half thousand kilometer hike changed her, adjusting back to normality after being in the woods for so long, and curating a life where she sprinkles adventure with reality. Tosha is a strong woman that navigates life via acute corners, wrong turns, and dead ends. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Tosha Kowalski. Hi, Tosha. How are you going? I'm doing really well. That's good. And where in this beautiful world do I find you today? I am in Madison, Wisconsin, smack dab in the middle of the country. Ah, happy days. I had a beautiful time in Wisconsin when I stayed there for four months uh, in the Northwoods over your winter. It was a a beautiful slice of uh, the United States. It's always nice to hear that. I think Wisconsin's considered a flyover state, so I love it when people come to visit. Uh, It was beautiful, like picturesque and just amazing i was in the middle of a of a national forest um in a log cabin with a, a lake 20 meters away from me so mm-hmm. i don't think you can get more idyllic than that but just the people and everything was uh was really really cool yeah wisconsin's a good little place now i actually discovered you through one of my other podcast guests matt and alana um they're the duo behind the great big globe blog oh yeah of course yeah and um they they um they've traveled the world for two years and they're now kind of just transitioning back into the u.s way of life and they were like mike you have to really check out this girl um tasha from the other fork in the road and like you mike she writes about her adventures but more about the lessons she's learned along the way and growing as a person so i did and I was blown away by so many things. It was it was amazing. But we can um we'll get into your blog and writing a little bit later. For now, take me back to that moment when you found a sticker on the ground at a festival. <laughs> Tell me about that girl who picked it up. Oh, it sounds so cliche every time I try to explain it, but it really just hit me. And it was the sticker was everywhere. It was like posted on, you know, band gear and on the walls. And it um, it just said, quit your day job, see the world, uh, fall in love and find yourself. 
And I think there was like a hashtag next to it or something. And I just, it just made so much sense to me. It was like, it was for me. And I think at that time, I don't, I think it was 2013. I was just a little lost. Um, and I don't, I don't even know why. Um, but just seeing those words, it's like, all right, you know, I just needed to be told what to do at that moment. And I took it seriously. It was a year from then I decided I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go travel. I'm going to go see the world. Um, I didn't fall in love, uh, but I did find myself. So, yeah, uh, I just took advice from a like a dingy little sticker on the ground. I still have that sticker too. So, oh, lovely. And like, yeah. do, do you think that that sticker came into your life at the right time? Like, were you at a particular crossroads, or as you like to put it, a, a fork in the road in your life that you found that sticker right when you needed to? Like, do, do you yeah. think? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. I mean, I think I had started to not like myself. I know I, I went through a bad breakup and I was very confused and I had no idea, kind of kind of blindsided me. And I started to look inside a lot to try to figure out what had happened. And I just saw a lot of things that I didn't like. And so I think I needed to kind of hit the reset button. And so that's what I did. And did you need to justify to yourself wanting to quit your job like to leave that career which I'm sure you worked hard to achieve you know to, mm-hmm. to leave all that behind to take a risk and live in a live, live a life that was molded for you did you did you yeah. need to justify that or did you just chuck it all in I think once I decided to quit I didn't have to anymore so I mean I was offered I think more money I was offered all these like different you know alternatives to not leaving but it was just going to happen. There was nothing that could have like, made me stay. So no, I, did, I just kind of went with it when I decided. Wow. And so you've, you're a little bit lost and you find this sticker and you've decided to live your life by it. It's, it's kind of like your Bible. Mm-hmm. And I think if the Bible was a sticker, more people would read it. But that's, a, <laughs> that's another topic. Yeah. <laughs> you've quit your day job to see the world. Where did you go to first? I bought a one-way ticket to the Arctic Circle in Finland. And what made you choose that? Uh, I had worked with another coworker who actually ended up coming back into my life later, but she was a dog sled guide um, up up in Finland, and I thought that was so cool. And I remember saying to her, like, oh, gosh, I wish I would have done something like that. And she kind of just looked at me and was like, well, why can't you? And, I, you know, it was so simple. Why can't I? I don't know. I can. So I did. Wow. And and tell me about dog sledding in the Arctic Circle of Finland. How was oh. how was it readjusting into obviously another language? Yeah, um, uh, it was amazing. I mean, I was with a family that did speak English. Um, so the the woman was from England and her husband was was Finnish. Um, so they had you know kids that were bilingual. And then I was with like seventy five dogs, and I didn't have to know how to speak Finnish because you just have to speak dog. <laughs> So it was it was fantastic. And tell me your sauna story. Uh, um, you mean the jumping in the lake? Uh, I guess. Or the... I guess more about the cultural differences. Oh, sometimes. sure, sure. Yeah, no. Um, so in Finland, they, I mean, saunas are like their answer to everything. So or vodka. So it's a vodka or a sauna. Um, so if you're sick, you know, you do take a sauna. Um, and I think a lot of times people don't really know 
what you should be wearing in the sauna. Um, so, because each different country has like a different way of looking at it, and if you don't look it up, you might catch yourself in a tricky situation. Um, so, fin- fin- Finland, it's it's straight, you know, nude. It's you gotta go there, you let it all out, um, and yeah, I I don't, <laughs> yeah. And it like did. I guess with these cultural differences, I, I've the reason I brought that up. I lived in Sweden as well, and and it was the same for us. These saunas, everyone goes there, and they've been going there since they could walk pretty much. Right. And and I guess nudity or the way that we look at ourselves is different from country to country. Definitely. Um, and I'm sure Australia is a, a little bit similar to to the US in some regards. But where where there are other and you know you talk about that sticker, you know, finding yourself there they are the hurdles that we kind of have to get over. I'm not saying that nudity in a public place is one of the key life hurdles that we all need right. to get over, but, but I guess those insecurities in a sense. Oh yeah. I, you know, the Finnish people as a whole are, they live very simply and very to the point. Like there's not a lot of like sugarcoating anything, you know, they, it's hard life up, especially up in the Arctic circle, mm. you know, and they just find a way to enjoy everything you know, and I look at Wisconsin, we're in the same kind of type deal, but you don't find that kind of that hardiness, not mm. quite the same way. So I think that was my favorite part about traveling in general is staying with a family and learning, you know, how they view life and how different it is, for, you know, from country to country. And I guess you had the opportunity, like staying with families to live a little bit more like a local than a tourist. Yeah, definitely. So I volunteered in the four major countries that I went to and stayed a long time. Um, which is Poland, Ireland, Norway, and Finland. And I mean, you just learn so much being with the families. I wouldn't have done it any other way. That was, I mean, it was perfect. And how did you, did you know all these people or how did you end up staying with families? No, there's a a website called workaway.info. And basically it's like Craigslist for volunteers. There's all these families and businesses that, you know, really need some help in one way or another, but they can't really necessarily afford to pay. So it's, kind of saying, hey, come to this country, stay with this family, and in exchange for room and board, you know, you got to scoop some poop for the wow. dogs. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay, wow, I didn't know that. So in Finland, mm-hmm. you're, you're looking after all these dogs. Mm-hmm. What were you doing in, in Norway and the other countries? Uh, in Norway, I was the mother to a little baby lamb called Curly. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I fed a lot of chickens. So it was basically farm work there, uh, but that was... That was amazing in the hillside of, of Finland, or I mean, of Norway there. In Ireland, I worked on a horse farm, um, which I became quickly afraid of horses because they are giant. <laughs> they, were, they were for, like, the national hunt. So these horses are huge, and they were all, you know, yearlings and had a lot of energy, and they really wanted to play. Um, and then in Poland, I was a gardener. Wow. And mm-hmm. so this is fascinating. How did you... How did you discover that? How did you decide that's how you wanted to travel? Um, that came from the same girl who like actually lived in Finland. That's how she started getting into everything is she didn't know where she wanted to go. So she kind of just plugged in a country and then she looked at everything that was available there and settled on dog sledding. So it's really cool. Like I, if anybody is at like a, you know, crossroads in life, I highly recommend it. I think everybody out of high school should like, go abroad you know, and America doesn't do that. I know Australia does. They have gap years and, um, you know, the concept of traveling before you settle into like a path, life path just isn't here. And I wish I would have done this way earlier because I think a lot of things would be different for me. Wow. And 
something that's also entered your life is hiking. And, you know, we're not talking about a Sunday stroll up to the top <laughs> of a grassy knoll here. You're a through hiker of the Appalachian Trail. For those that don't know, can you describe what the Appalachian Trail is and explain what a through hiker is? Yeah, so the Appalachian Trail is a 2,189.2 mile hike from Georgia to Maine. So Springer Mountain in Georgia up to Mount Katahdin in Maine. Um, and it kind of just traverses the countryside. Um, up and down mountains, up and down, up and down, a lot of up and down. Um, you actually, they say that you climb Mount Everest 17 times um, over the course of the trail with how much elevation gain you have. Um, and so a through hiker technically is walking that entire trail within one year, um, a calendar year. And most often people do it um, straight all the way through. So it took us, we started on April 20th of last year and we ended on September 12th. Wow. So what makes you want to hike three and a half thousand kilometers for four to five months? <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. I think you aren't really in your right mind when you make that decision. I think that's the common thread that you see. Um, I, my friend, the same girl who kind of inspired me to go to Finland, we were just touching base. I was in, I think I was in Norway at the time and she just said she was looking for somebody to hike the trail with. And at that point, you know, I'd already done the hard thing. I'd already quit my job. I'd already left my family or I'd left my friends. And I was like, yeah, let's keep this party going. That'd be great. I'd love to do it with you. So we kind of arranged, um, she was in Finland at the time and I was overseas as well. And we kind of just decided let's pick a date and go for it. So were you a hiker previously? You know, not really. I had gone to Patagonia um, and I had kind of experienced it there. And that's some rugged hiking there. I mean, I loved it, but not to the same extent as like you kind of get into it as a through hiker. Mm -hmm. It is like a way of life for me now. Wow. Because, uh, you know, there's a huge difference between going for a seven day hike than going yeah. for, you know, five months. You know, what were you most apprehensive about before you left? You know, I think getting injured mentally, everyone says mentally is the hardest part, but mentally I was able to see like what the alternative was. If I'm not out here on this trail, I'm back in an office somewhere working. And so no matter what hardship you went through on the trail, you kind of had to tell yourself, this is still better. This is better than being at work. So I, I think just getting an injury, so ending it where I couldn't control it. So, you know, breaking my foot or, you know, straining some sort of muscle that wouldn't allow me to continue, even though my heart and my head, mm. you know, was able to. But for someone that doesn't hike all the time, that, I guess that risk would have been quite high. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just walk through the injuries. We were, I mean, I got Achilles tendonitis. I have shin splints. I had um, just things wrong with your feet. You just keep going. <laughs> And, I know it sounds bad, but. And were you, to keep going, were you just really telling yourself, well, the alternative is going back to work, this is better? Yeah, I just stopped thinking about it after a while. It's, and it helps to have a partner. You know, you don't want to let that partner down either. But yeah, I think you just kind of, you forget, you just focus on one thing. Mm. And, you know, the one thing in front of you is like, I get a shower tomorrow or I get, you know, you don't think about the pain or. You know, the fact that you're only in Georgia and you still have to walk to Maine. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guess with that, like, did the, 
did doubt set in like earlier on? Like, does there come a point where, hey, it's not until you're on here for 30 days that you've actually kind of, you've crossed that chasm and, and it becomes normal? Like, was the beginning harder or, or are you really excited in the beginning and towards the end you just want to finish? Yeah, I, it never hit, there's one day out of the 147 or whatever it was that I did not want to hike. Every other day, I, it was awesome. Like, I did not want it to end. There was times where it just gave me such a rote, you know, it's like every day is the same thing. And you start dreaming about all the normal things. Like, I dreamed about painting my front door and <laughs> getting the mail and mowing my lawn. It's just something for something different. But never once did I not want to finish. I mean, yeah, it just, it became such a simple way to live. Wow. And is there... Like with that simplicity in life, were the things that you learned about yourself? Yeah, um, I think I started. I think on the trails when I really started to like myself again, um, because it does take a special. Not anybody can hike, but it is hard to be a through hiker. I, you know, it's you have to just kind of roll with the punches. You are not prepared for everything, but it's how you handle all of those situations. And I think I was just really impressed with like my mindset. You know, you get caught in the pouring rain and you're not, you know, you don't have, you're going to be wet for the next four days. That sucks. It is not cool. But getting through that, you look back at it and say, hey, I can do it. Hey, if I can do that, you know, mm. everything gets better. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I could really have perseverance, I guess. Wow. That's, that's really amazing. I, I can't imagine being wet for four days. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... We actually had a pretty good weather. I mean, I feel like Mother Nature and I have something going on because she is really respectful of my time out on the trail. <laughs> it would rain when we would like plan a town day or something. So we just we have a kind of an ongoing joke about how Mother Nature is really on our side. And so these town days, like, are you are you hiking every day or and, uh, sleeping in a tent every day or and how do you have your food and everything for so long? Yeah, so you actually carry everything on your back. So I have my tent and like your kind of your essentials that you need. And you learn very quickly that you don't need very much to live mm. uh, because you have to carry it on your back. So you want to keep that, you know, your base weight to like 15 or lower. Um, and then you carry your food and your water. So in the towns, you just resupply um, and take what you need for the next, you know, time between the trail towns. So it's usually about three to four days. And yeah, when you get into town, you're take an opportunity to take a shower, maybe stay in a hotel, get wow. some real food. Yeah. And tell me about the feeling when you took that final step off the trail. <laughs> um, you know, I wanted it to be like this big thing when we summited Katahdin and I wanted to feel all of these emotions. And when I got to the top, it was kind of just like, okay, that's done. We did it, <laughs> you know, and I, mm. I was still waiting for the feelings to kind of come to me, but I just realized that like the whole thing was that big feeling, mm. the entire thing. I'd had that big feeling from day one. And so I think when we stepped off the trail, you know, I was excited to get back to like my regular life cause I hadn't had it for almost two years, but that even that part kind of loses its shininess after like a week and you wish you were back on the trail. Yeah, we always, we always want something that's different sometimes. I know, I know. And how have you readjusted back into day-to-day -day life after something like that? 
Not as well as I kind of had hoped. I went through a little period where I'm like, I think I'm depressed. I don't know if I am, but I think I'm, something's missing. But I think it's really just you get back into all of the reasons why you left in the first place. So when I quit my job in you know 2014, you know those reasons like don't really go away. They're still there, but you just learn to handle them differently. And I think I was just hit in the face with everything at at once. You know, you come back, you get a job, and I remember after my first work trip, I was in the airport garage and I just sat there and I was like, how did I get here again? How am I back to the spot, you know, that I so eagerly left? And it was just a little bit, you know, it was just a realization that, you know, I can't live the way I was living forever. Um, So I've kind of accepted that I need to sprinkle my adventures with reality. I like that. Sprinkle my adventures with reality. And yeah. we, we can get back to that a little bit later. But you, you said before that, you know, when you're, when you're on a long distance hike like the Appalachian Trail, you, you know, your biggest concern is finding a shower or finding your next supply or mm-hmm. finding the best campsite or, or what to eat. Um, but you lived directly in the moment, like to the, yeah. fu- to the fullest extent. Why do you think we struggle to live life in the moment in our day-to-day life? There's just so much going on. I mean, everything is happening. Like there, you have social media, you have, you know, just events, family. I feel like everything comes at you at once. And I think it's super hard to focus on just that one thing. You know, I think people have the FOMO, fear of missing out. So Mm -hmm. even if you're doing one thing, um, you know, you're constantly thinking about all the others. And I have this problem too. You know, I'm always constantly searching for like, am I doing what I should be doing with my time right now? You know, is there something better I could be doing? And it's just hard. And I think on the trail, it's just you don't have a choice. Like, this is what's happening. And you think about everything very deeply. Like, you think about every bite you're taking of your crappy ramen noodles, you know. So, yeah, I don't – I wish there had an answer because I just – I think that's a major problem in my life and everybody around me. You know, it's hard to focus on what you're, what's happening. Yeah, I think that you, you kind of said it there where we – we try to think of so many things at once in, on the trail. You're thinking of just that one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I try to, since, since I've been on this trip over in America um, for the year, house sitting our way across North America, I haven't looked at any news since mm-hmm. we've been over here. And there are big things that you, you can't miss because they're, they're on your social feeds or whatever. But I, I've deliberately not looked at an Australian news website or, or, or watched the news over here because it was just making me depressed and, and all this kind of thing. And, and there's all these other things going on in, in the world that some things, yeah, they're a big concern of, but there are other things that just don't mean anything, but they're, yeah. they're still in our life because we're watching them. Yeah, yeah. And you said earlier about sprinkling reality with adventure. And I, I, I love that. And it's, it's one of the, the things that really drew me to you is that you've been able to do that. You've been able to sprinkle reality with your adventures, with how you've been able to integrate, I guess, your day-to-day work life with your adventures, even though what you do, you're not like a, a tour guide or anything like that. So you, Tell me how you've been able to do that. Well, it's funny because I think, because the way I said it first is I now, I think I sprinkle real, I sprinkle adventures 
with my reality. So I think it's more of a, wait, no, backwards. So I think I have adventure and then I sprinkle that with reality. I used to live and then like have, you know, weekends here and there. Now I know that my, like kind of my calling is these big adventures. So I, I know that I have to work to support what I want to do. So I think the job that I have now, um, which, you know, I'm doing consulting work, which is, it does allow that freedom of, I'm going to do a big project and then I'm going to go off on a big adventure. I don't need the stability of a day-to-day job that doesn't change, but I will work in chunks and then I will go off and do the things that I actually want to do. And I think a lot of people work or live to work and I definitely don't do that anymore. It was a hard step to kind of let go of that stability because I don't know when my next job is or if I'll even have one. Um, But I do know that I can't keep a job, you know, nonstop anymore. Have you read the book Vagabonding? I have not. Ah, I'll send you the link. I'll also uh, put the link in the show notes. But yeah, Vagabonding by uh, Rolf Potts, I believe. And it's, Ah. it's, it's, it's pretty much that. It's about working to pay your adventures, going on your adventures, then coming back to, to work for, Mm -hmm. for the next adventure, um, to, to live life the way that you want to live it. Um, I'll send you a link. Um, but I digress, (laughs) but to create that, to create the life of adventure sprinkled with reality, was that something deliberate that you did? No, I did not want to go back. I thought when I quit my job, I was going to, you know, start writing or start kind of enter the creative world. I left the creative world and I went to kind of the tech world. Um, But I just, I'm not ready to do that yet. So I'm kind of just buying time right now and trying to figure out, (laughs) this is going to sound bad, but it's the easiest way for me to make quick money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can have a job for the year and a half and then not have one for six months. And that's hard to do unless, you know, you're being you know, compensated appropriately. So I'm very, very lucky. Um, I think once I, once I saw how I could kind of mold my life, I I'm taking it and running with it. And I don't feel bad. I'm not putting anybody out, you know, projects are, I'm not leaving anybody hanging or, you know, quitting a job continually. I'm waiting for a project to finish. So there's no loose ends. Yeah. Now that's cool. And, and, and what adventures do you have planned in the future then? Uh, well, we are going to attempt to hike the Pacific Crest Trail in 2017. Wow. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the Pacific Crest goes from Mexico to Canada. Correct. Yep. So, so, so you, you literally walk through America. Yes. Have you thought about this long and hard? yeah yes I think about it every day I think it's what keeps me going it literally makes going to work easy wow and it's it's also the trail that was uh, not made famous by but um the movie wild with Rizaspoon was it was in that one a great movie um (laughs) wow and and is this one longer than the Appalachian um it's about 600 I think 500 miles longer um but it takes about the same time because unlike the PCT or unlike the AT, the PCT is actually graded for mules. So the grade is a little bit easier. And so it takes about the same time. The AT are, we call them puds, pointless up and down. We're just climbing up, <laughs> down, up and down. And the PCT is a little bit flatter and you're kind of ridge walking more. Wow. So what did you call the pointless up and downs? What did you yeah. call Pods? Puds, yeah. I, I'm convinced that I have moments in my life that are pointless oh, yeah. up and downs. <laughs> yep. 
well that's, that's that's amazing and you you started your your writing when you left your your last job this blog um the other fork in the road how did how did that come about uh, I had been keeping a journal for I think since I was like third grade, um, and I I remember I kept trying to re start writing because I, t- I have a terrible memory I do not remember anything and so I wanted to start writing things down so I could kind of like see my progression because <laughs> I I reread my journals from fourth grade and it's amazing how much you know I stayed the same from a fourth grader mm-hmm. um, and how much I've changed and. I found that I was like being not real with myself. I would try to write like when I was 25, 26 and I just, everything that came out on paper was just, I was lying to myself. And so I wanted a way to kind of where someone had to hold me to facts. Mm -hmm. And so when you publish something out and you have other people read it, um, you kind of held to a different standard. And so I tried to think about things deeply before I put them on paper. Um, just so like it's so easy to write things something like an opinion or something down and and put it out there but it's it's out there forever you know so i try to think at every single point that i have or i'm trying to make i really try to think about it and i try to think about it from both angles um because i don't want it to be out there and have to deal with that down the line so i think it's just it's been really great to help me like think more deeply about everything that's happening around me wow that's that's really cool. And what I also love about your writing is there's this kind of dryness in your humor that kind of comes through, <laughs> which which resonates with me anyway. Yeah. But you were talking about your your 25 and 26 year old self when you were writing that you you were lying to yourself. What, what what do you think that your 25 or 26 year old self would say about you now? You you're in your 30 somethings. What 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 would that girl think? Yeah, I. I think she would say, well done. I think, she, I think I'm, I'm very happy with who I've become. Um, I think I've got a long way to go. Um, but when I was 25, I guess I just, I wasn't, I hadn't grown into myself. I didn't, at 25 seems old when I think about it, but at 35 now, I realize I didn't have any of the hobbies or the goals or the dreams that I have now. And somewhere within that decade, you know, I kind of just, started hacking away at life and tried to figure out who I really wanted to be versus what society kind of molds you into being. And, and was it like, you know, we've just spoken about you leaving your, your job and, and traveling and all that, but was that the only way to f- find yourself? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What do, what do you think was that, 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 I guess those key steps in that journey where you were, you were unfolding who you were? I think it's really stepping out of your comfort zone. Like it's very easy to live the life that you're put in sometimes, you know, but as soon as you step outside of that, that's like opening that door. And then there's, you see that there's tons more doors to go explore. But if you stay inside your comfort zone, there's not, there's not a whole lot of motivation, you know, to get out of it. So yeah, I think just kind of taking that leap and then it's been easy since then. So on that, taking that leap and it's been easy since then is taking the leap the hard part? Yes. Hmm. And I compare this to, cause I, in New Zealand, I skydived and I also bungee jumped. I when I skydive, I was attached to somebody. Skydiving to me was not scary because somebody else was, you know, making that choice for you. But when you bungee jump, you're the one sitting there and it's not, it's not hard itself, but that moment that you have to decide to jump 
is exhilarating. It is the best feeling I've ever felt in my entire life. And that's what I think taking a leap in life is like. And once you do it, you know, there's no looking back. You can't climb back up that rope. You know, you've done it. Mm. You've left. So, yeah. I, I, this is something that I've been toying around with is this disproportion of fears that we often think that something's going to be worse than it is because of the conversations that we have internally. Have, have you found that? Like, did you, before you I took that life leap, were you really apprehensive and really scared? But then obviously once you've taken it, you're, there's this, this weight kind of taken off. Oh yeah. I think when you're kind of before you make that decision. So when I still had my job, I thought about all the bad things that all the things that could go wrong when I quit my job, none of those things went wrong. Yeah. You know, you try to talk yourself out of it when you get close. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that. You try to talk yourself out of it when you get close. And there's yeah. a, oh, I can't remember the, the word, but um, there's something that, there's actually something that describes that, which is pointless to say when I can't remember the word yeah. But anyway. Yeah, no, and my dad always said too, like, you know, there's millions of reasons why you can't do something. All you need is one, you know, for why you can. And like, you know, I think that you can always make excuses, but if there's that one reason that tells you that you should, you know, that exists, you know, that's worth something. Well, that's what we did before we did. Um, we went on our adventure. Yeah. We, we, we wrote a list of all the things that were the, the worst things that could happen. And we wrote yeah. a list of them uh, on one side of the piece of paper. And then on the other side, we, we wrote, if that happened, how would we deal with it? And mm -hmm. we, we, we realized that we had solutions for all the, the worst things that could potentially go wrong. Um, none of them have happened. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I'm really mindful of your time, but I, I have one uh, final question that I, I ask everybody, and that is to describe your perfect day. Oh, man. My perfect day would be waking up in a tent on a mountain somewhere walking to my next destination by myself in the middle of nowhere. Wow. Just, just on that, have you ever, have you ever done solo hikes? Uh, yeah. So when I quit, my, when I was in Europe, um, I road tripped Scotland and I kind of hiked throughout the highlands there and it was the best. Wow. <laughs> just me, wow. myself and my computer, which was awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. Amazing. But, um, yeah, Tasha, thanks so much for, for your time and, and, and telling us about your journey. It's really beautiful. And it's, I, I'm, I'm really inspired and happy about you kind of sprinkling reality through your adventures. That's, <laughs> that's something that I'm going to hold on to. I, I love it so much. Yeah. If people want to uh, follow your journey or, or get, get into your writing, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, the other fork in the road.com is my email address. And you can, if you Google that, you'll find the website. Um, and also my Instagram. Perfect. And I'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. Again, thank you so much. And mm -hmm. for everyone listening, thank you. And until next time, have fun and live immediately.
That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.